Chapter 9 A Prisoner of the Mill. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christian Bilka. Prisoner of the Mill by Harry Hazelton. Chapter 9 The Pursuit. The Perilous Situation. Important Information. It was two o'clock in the morning, nearly two hours after Mrs. Hayward had been seized and borne from the camp by Walker and his confederates. The guard relief had commenced his rounds. The first post visited was that in front of the door where Walker had been confined. A glance revealed the prisoner's escape. The chain which had secured the door was lying upon the steps, and the door itself was slightly ajar. Walker and both the sentinels had disappeared. The long roll was at once beaten and the camp aroused. Scarce had the lines been formed when it was announced that Mrs. Hayward also had disappeared. The grief of her friends and the rage of the soldiers knew no bounds, and many was the oath of a terrible retribution uttered against the fiend who had spread such desolation and sorrow in her path. It was but a few moments before squads of cavalry were dashed in every direction in pursuit. There was but little doubt as to how the escape had been effected. The disappearance of the guard convinced all that they were in league with Walker, but in what manner they had gained possession of Miss Hayward was a mystery. No one had detected anything unusual in her manner the evening before, and she had retired at her usual hour. It was thought, however, that the parties would not have taken any main road, as the pickets would have given the alarm. They could not have had more than two hours to start, as everything was all right when the twelve o'clock relief went on post and at two o'clock the escape was discovered. If Walker had to walk through the fields in order to avoid the pickets, it would have taken at least two hours to clear them. It was most likely that once outside the lines, friends and horses would be procured. Still, the distance would not be so great that our horsemen hoped to overtake them, and so they set off with a good will in various directions. "'Are you not going to accompany us?' asked Lieutenant Wells of Nettleton who was seated on the ground, looking gloomy and sullen. "'Not by a darn sight,' answered Nettleton doggedly. "'And why not?' asked Wells. "'You go long and let me alone,' he answered sharply. There was no time for words, and the squadron departed. The night passed, during which Nettleton was bitter in his self-reproach for not watching closer, and would not hold conversation with any person. As the first dawn of the day became visible, Nettleton was seen crawling upon his hands and knees, in front of the former prison of Walker, and through the garden, toward the west. His movements were watched with considerable interest, as all had begun to respect him for his sagacity, in his peculiar way. At length he returned to his tent, and, without speaking, carefully examined his double-barrel shotgun, a beautiful piece which he had picked up upon the Wilson Creek battleground, and had been permitted to retain. This he loaded, then, taking a large artillery ammunition bag, he went directly to the tent of Adjunct Hinton. Removing the lid of a mini-ball ammunition box, he filled this pouch with cartridges. His next move was to place some provisions in his haversack. Then he started. "'Where are you going, William?' asked Mrs. Hinton. "'Them boots,' he replied, pointing in the direction he had just taken in his hands and knees examination. "'What do you mean?' why them boots as had two hearts on the soles went that way and i'm going to follow if i go to thunder he waited to hear no more or to speak more but bounded off to the westward he had been gone perhaps in an hour 
when fall leaf the indian scout already referred to entered the camp he was soon made aware of the state of things fall leaf was deeply attached to captain hayward and more especially so to his fair sister mamie the scout had been but a short time in camp when he had given to the general all the information he possessed with regard to the enemy this done he followed on the trail fast as possible for several hours nettleton kept on his course now striking the main road for the purpose of searching for fresh tracks then taking to the woods again to avoid observation several times he came upon the well-known footprints and a bitter exclamation would escape him he kept his course more from the judgment he had formed as to his direction walker had taken than from the numerous impressions of his boots he was ascending a sharp and ragged hill so heavily covered with the thorn-bush and small scrub oak peculiar to that country that his progress was rendered very difficult suddenly a figure darted in front of him and concealed itself among the thick undergrowth nettleton brought his gun to the shoulder and called out none of that skulking darn ye come out in fair fight ugh responded the voice and fall-leaf bounded to his side oh it's you is it mr injun well i'm darn glad you've come for you can hunt these snarly woods better than me any news you kill em eh i shall kill em if i only get a bead on the critter you did kill em kill who dead soldier there fall-leaf indicated that he meant further on come on injun said nettleton he reached the summit of the hill which overlooked the valley below and led by fall-leaf began its descent they soon reached the stream and the indian pointed to the dead body nettleton gazed upon it a moment and then said darn me if it ain't the very feller what run away last night walker has been here sure he commenced his search at once he found footprints in the sand and among them that of a lady judging from its small size the indian had also been taking observations returning from a clump of bushes he said to nettleton see canoe two white bird so here fall-leaf indicated by action that two men had drawn a boat from the concealment of the thicket had entered it as indicated by the tracks in the sand and had proceeded downstream well they've got rid of one scoundrel anyway it will only be man to man and i feel myself to be a match for any dozen such skunks as that walker they can't have much the start both fall-leaf and nettleton walked rapidly forward along the bank of the stream at length and it was almost a simultaneous movement of the part of each they stopped and bending forward held their ears close to the ground by thunder cried nettleson that's her voice white bird caged she no sing replied falif ain't you a darn fool don't you know that white bird as you call her has got a right to expect some of her friends will be after her and so she sings that they may hear her voice echoing up and down among these hills and know where to find her ugh good white hunter no fool again the voice was heard and this time so clearly as to leave no doubt upon the mind of our hero as to who the singer was like a deer he bounded off in the direction indicated the music died away and all was still but the two men paused not upon a sudden they emerged into an open field of about four acres near the centre of which were two large stacks of hay the river at this point took a bend and the two pursuers ducked directly across the open space just as they reached the stacks fall-leaf darted close in to the base of one of them taking the attitude of a listener and making a significant sign to nettleton 
What is it? asked Nettleton. Hark! Soldiers! Horses! Whoa! Hark! Nettleton listened attentively and then said, There may be a party of soldiers coming. It may be our men who have been in search of the miss, of Whitebird, but it is well enough to keep close. It may be the rebels merely moving camp, and if this is so, Mamie must be with them. The sounds are coming nearer. Crawl under the hay, Redskin. Way under, out of sight. This was effected with some difficulty when a party of rebel guerrillas, numbering about sixty, rode into the field and proceeded to form their camp directly in the vicinity of the haystacks under which the two men were concealed. Well, I guess we've got into the right shop, said Nettleton to Falleaf. We are cooped up here close enough for a walk, but Miss Mame must be with this crowd. And, when dark comes, we can scout around and see what to do. Lay quiet, Injun. White Hunter knows. Make good Injun. The day dragged slowly away. Toward night, a party of the rebels came for forage for their horses. But the hay was tumbled from the top of the stack, and our friends were not discovered. The guerrilla's conversation, however, was listened to with great interest by Nettleton. So Colonel Brown, or Walker, as he is called, came within one of being done for in the camp of the Yanks at Springfield. Yes, so he says. What the devil does he want with the gal? Oh, some love affair, of course. The gal was happy, for she was singing like a nightingale. Oh, yes. No doubt she was dazzled by the prospect of being a colonel's wife. Who is she? Don't know. My eyes, but she is a beauty. So much the better for him. Where was he going with her? Oh, below, taking her to her brother, I believe. Where is that? Down in the old mill. This was all the conversation heard by the adventurers, but the rebel troops did not move again until late in the next day, and our friends were compelled to remain quiet. They had learned sufficient to convince them that Miss Hayward was not with this band of rebels, but was being borne still further from them. They cursed the chance which had thus entrapped them, and prevented their overtaking the captive at once. Still, they resolved to keep up the pursuit, and they had learned that at some mill the lady was to be conveyed, and that her brother was there. Patiently they waited until they could emerge and finish their journey. End of chapter 9